So I had heard it before, and um, in doing some reading this week, I saw it again. Like the average time that um, we as Americans spend waiting is um, this crazy, crazy large number. Like over the course of a lifetime, we spend like three years in waiting. Um, and also saw that like average New Yorkers spend something like close to 22 years of their lives waiting on, waiting on and riding in elevators. Um, <laughs> that's a long time to wait. Um, I saw that most of us spend like close to 4,300 hours sitting at a stoplight over the course of our lives. It's just crazy, crazy waiting. And so I don't know about you guys, sometimes on Sunday morning I feel that. Um, <laughs> this waiting, um, notoriously we might start a little bit late. Um, and so at the end of my life, I'm interested to see like how much time I've spent waiting for Sunday morning to, to get started. Um, Matt's not here this morning, and so I'm not trying to call him out or anything, um, <laughs> but because we still started crazy late today, so we'll, we'll blame it on me. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, the waiting, I'm, I'm curious to see at the end of our lives um, how much time we spent on Sunday morning waiting. So, um, this morning is Pentecost, and so we're celebrating this, um, this holiday in the church, and um, that's it's something that um, last week we talked about the Ascension, and, and this week we are, are at Pentecost. And so, as we, as we get started this morning, uh, we're just going to look actually at the, the act of Pentecost, um, that, that day, that first day. And um, so, this is going to come from Acts chapter 2. I want to invite you to turn over there if you do have your Bible with you. Um, and we're also going to be looking at John 14 um, as, as one of our other primary texts for today. Um, so if you want to stick like a, a thumb and a finger in those um, in your Bible, just so we can, can swap back and forth. Um, but want to want to just read this, um, this very first part of Acts chapter 2 um, so we can kind of see where we are, get the lay of the land um, for this this day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2. I'm going to go verses 1 through 13 here. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house um, where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all of these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthian, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, 
we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them, and they said they've had too much wine. Good way to start Pentecosts. People are asking if they were drunk. Um, so, this very first Pentecost is good. Just thinking back last week, as um, Matt just did a fantastic job of of reminding us not only of the the resurrection of Jesus, but the ascension of Jesus is a key key element of our faith. Jesus being lifted up to heaven and to sit um, at the right hand of the Father, it reminds us um, that we serve the Lord Most High, and not only um, the Lord Most High, but we serve a living God. And listening to Matt last week, it reminded me that that we live in this strange middle place. Um, We often refer to it as the already, but not yet. Um, it's Jesus told his disciples that I'm going to prepare a place for you. This is his ascension. I'm going to prepare a place for you. It's the already. Jesus overcame sin and death, and he raised from the dead and ascended. He has gone to prepare a place for you and me. So that's the already. But what's the, the not yet? Over in, in John, it's the, the next verse, um, it says, And if I go to prepare a place for you, then I will come back to take you with me, so that you may be where I am. And so we're in this, this middle place of where Jesus has, has ascended, and we're, we're kind of in this in-between and anticipating his return, that he will come back. So we're in this, this weird place. Sometimes it feels like, the waiting place. Some of you may be familiar with the waiting place. I am um, more familiar as my children continue to, to grow into Dr. Seuss. Um, the waiting place, one of those places you go. The waiting place for people just waiting, waiting for a train to go or a bus to come or a plane to go, or the mail to come, or the rain to go, or the phone to ring, or the snow to snow, or waiting around for a yes or no, or waiting for their hair to grow. Everyone is just waiting. Waiting for the fish to bite, or waiting for wind to fly a kite, or waiting around for Friday night, or waiting, perhaps, for their Uncle Jake, or a pot to boil, or a better break or a string of pearls, or a pair of pants, or a wig with curls, or another chance. Everyone is just waiting. You guys familiar with the waiting place? Anybody? (laughs) We are all in waiting. Um, You're waiting right now, I think. Um, So, oh, the places you'll go, this waiting, waiting place. I don't know about you, but when I think about waiting, the word that comes to mind is terrible. Um, (laughs) The waiting, waiting place. The worst for me is waiting in traffic. Anybody else um, drive from Chapel Hill to Durham um, at 5 o'clock? You'll know what I'm talking about. 
Uh, but it's it's just so so difficult to be in in waiting, sitting there. And then I like start to get a little too ambitious and try to weave in and out of some cars, only to get a couple car lengths ahead. And then remember, I have a Love Chapel Hill sticker or two on the back of my car. Um, <laughs> it's not good. Um, like those people, watch out for them. Um, but this, the waiting place we find ourselves in, it can seem so much like, like what Dr. Seuss describes for us. Um, we find ourselves like, like the disciples. Um, as Jesus ascended, they, they're standing there looking up, just like, okay, what do we do now? Uh, we'll just be here. Um, but the, the very next line of, of the, the book here, Oh, the Places You'll Go, the line that the good doctor gives us is, is no, that's not for you. The waiting place is not for you. I imagine that waiting place is, is what it would be like without the Holy Spirit. Had the Holy Spirit not come on that day of Pentecost, I feel like this is what we would be living in um, all the time. But as followers of Jesus, just as, as those um, angels reminded the first disciples, we've been given a job to do, and we're empowered to do it. Though he's gone to prepare a place for us, and we're, we're in this already not yet in between space. He has not left us aimless and he has not left us empty handed. He's given us a mission. Do you remember that mission that God has, has given his people? We often refer to it as the great commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit and teaching, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. At Love Chapel Hill, we condense that down, and we like to say, love with the heart of Jesus. It's the great commission for us, love with the heart of Jesus. The power by which that that we are able to carry out this mission is what brings us um, to this day in the church calendar, to to Pentecost. Pentecost is is known best for, for the great coming of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, and the start of the very first church. It's a major event that comes here as we looked at the the beginning of Acts. And in this this game-changing grand arrival of the Holy Spirit, it takes the disciples and all of the people of Jerusalem by surprise. For the coming of the Holy Spirit, um, this, this moment in Scripture was foretold over and over again um, by Jesus and, and even prophets before. Peter actually uses, um, uses a prophecy from, from Joel and reminding that, that this day was foretold. Um, he quotes the prophet Joel to, to all the people there after the Holy Spirit comes. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on my name, on the name of the Lord, will be saved. This prophecy from, from 
Joel telling of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then in John chapter 16, Jesus is telling the disciples about this day that will come. He says, very truly, I tell you, it is good for you that I'm going away. It's for your own good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And then at the at Jesus' ascension, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And then John 14. Um, Jesus talks a lot about the coming of the Spirit in, in John 14. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then he says, very truly, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So Jesus is, is foretold of, of the coming of the Spirit. He's trying to prepare the disciples. Jesus is kind of working as the hype man for the Spirit here. He's like building, building him up so that he can make this entrance. Um, he says that, that we'll be able to do greater works than these. And Jesus can testify about the greatness of the Holy Spirit because it was the, the Spirit that enabled Jesus' ministry. It enabled um, each of the miracles, giving sight to the blinds, making the lame to walk, calming the seas, even bringing the dead to life. It was by the power of the Holy Spirit working through Jesus. And so he knows the closeness and he knows the great power of the Holy Spirit. But he told us that we who believe in him will do even greater things. Can you imagine that? What what does that look like? We'll do even greater things than bringing sight to blind people. We'll do greater things than, than bringing the dead to life. What does that look like? Greater things than these. Jesus is so excited about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Because he's fully experienced the Holy Spirit. He knows what the Holy Spirit can do. And scripture doesn't tell us, doesn't tell us what these greater things are. It doesn't limit it. And it doesn't describe it fully. But it could be be also that Jesus sees the, the greater things because he sees the exponential view of what the Holy Spirit can do not being confined to to one person or a small group of people. But he sees that the Holy Spirit is is going to be poured out on all believers, all who believe in him. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes and it fills the believers. And they became the working presence of God in the world. And so the Holy Spirit, now being the active presence of God in the world, living through you and me, all who believe in him. So that's to say God's, God's activity and God's work in the world today also fills the space within our hearts. 
This is a long way from the pillar of fire and the tabernacle in the desert. Since the fall of of humanity um, in the Garden of Eden, when sin entered in and separated us, God's presence in the world and his interactions uh, with, with his people has made quite a progression. Just thinking back to the time in the wilderness, in the desert, God revealed himself as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And the presence of God dwelt in the tabernacle. Once the people of Israel reached the promised land, King Solomon built a temple and God dwelled there in that place. When Israel turned from God and that temple was destroyed, the presence of God, as uh, the prophet Ezekiel tells us, um, as the people were taken, taken into Babylonian exile, Ezekiel says he saw the Spirit of God leave the temple. And even though that temple was rebuilt centuries later, the presence of God did not return to dwell in that place. If you fast forward through Israel's history and a whole mess of religiosity, the presence of God comes down. And the presence of God comes near to dwell among us in the person of Jesus. God takes on human flesh and walks the earth as close as God has been since that time in the garden. But then after his death and resurrection and his ascension, God finds a way to come closer than ever before. And on that day of Pentecost, God comes not to lead by cloud or fire, not to dwell just in one place, not even to dwell just in one person, but he comes as promised to dwell in the heart of every believer. And he comes as the Holy Spirit to live in us and empower us for his purpose. And so because of, of this amazing move of God, Pentecost is often hailed as, as the birthday of the church. It's the, when that, the first church is really born and, and sent out into the world. And that it is. God has come closer than ever to, to make his dwelling in us. And so we mark that celebration together, together today. We won't get into the details of it today, um, but it's important to note that, that this is not the, not the first Pentecost. That could be a little bit confusing. Pentecost actually was already an existing Jewish um, holiday. It was a high holy day um, for the people of Israel. It was the, the holiday marking the giving of um, the law to Moses. As he was given the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, Pentecost was actually this um, remembrance of that day. And so we could run down that, that rabbit trail and exploring all of the parallels and connections between, um, between Mo- Moses and Sinai. And if Matt were here, he would do that um, because he is all about some Moses. Um, but we'll, <laughs> we'll just say there's a lot of connection and there's a lot of parallel between the two. Um, and so definitely encourage you to, to look at those from, from um, the book of Exodus and, and comparing that to chapter 2 of, of Acts. But it's amazing to see how God takes that existing festival, this, this existing high holy day um, for the people of Israel, and, and then moving forward, um, 
and just remembering the centuries of God's mighty acts of redemption, that journey from Moses um, to Jesus and then to the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's just amplified and um, yeah, just shows us the, the impact as it, it still is with us today, as Pentecost is something that we continue to celebrate. So in my research and, and preparation for today, I did come across a study that was um, pretty concerning, actually. Um, the, the research that I had come across was from the Barna group, um, actually, of, of a group of about eight, 1,800 um, Christians that were polled. They were self-identified Christians, um, 86% of which would say um, that the most important purpose is to love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. So this is the group that was polled. Of that same group, 58% said that the Holy Spirit is a symbol of God's power, but not a living entity. I don't know all the ins and outs of of that research, but if it's at all um, a picture of the larger Christian community, I think we might have a problem. Um, if, If the majority of Christians deny the Holy Spirit as being the active um, and working presence of God in the world. God continues um, to work in us and and through us. He has come to to dwell within us um, through the person of the Holy Spirit. And so if we deny that, what what does that do to our, our picture of God at work in the world today? Jesus did warn that people wouldn't, wouldn't believe in the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples that, that people wouldn't believe because they neither saw nor knew him. Maybe that makes sense for, for people who don't know Jesus, but for people who believe in and know him, what do we do with that? What do we do if people don't acknowledge the Holy Spirit? So over in Ephesians, Paul tells us to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that verb that he, he uses there in the Greek is, is an active, present tense verb. It's indicating the ongoing nature of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's telling us it's something that has to be intentional. And it's something that we have to, we have to um, be open to. We have to pray for the coming of the Holy Spirit in our lives as an ongoing thing. It's not something that happened just on that that day of Pentecost when the church was born. It's something that that continues to to grow within us and enable us to work in the world today. Is the Holy Spirit alive in you? Is the Holy Spirit alive in me? It's something that is totally okay to ask. It's okay to ask um, questions about the Holy Spirit. And as we, as we go to the story this week um, on, on Tuesday night down at Weaver Street, I certainly encourage you to bring questions about the Holy Spirit. If there are things that are, are burning in your mind about this, let's, let's talk about the Holy Spirit. That's a great thing to do, um, to share our experiences. But how do, how do we know? How do we measure um, if the Holy Spirit is, is within us? Paul tells us um, in Galatians that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. The Holy Spirit will be in those who believe in Jesus. And we'll know it because of the love 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the, the marks of the Holy Spirit. We have to be careful about how we, we measure the, the Holy Spirit at work in the world. Sometimes we want to say it's, it's a particular gift that you have that, that lets people know that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Or it's a certain, um, certain way that you dress or a certain way that you act maybe that, that signifies the Holy Spirit. But Paul tells us that this is, this is the measuring stick by which we will we'll see if the Holy Spirit is, is living within you that we'll see the fruit of the Spirit come alive. And so we, we have to pray for those things. Commit to that intentional um, seeking of the Holy Spirit and the seeking of, of the fruit of the Spirit. So just to, to kind of bring things together and, and look at um, what this day has to say to us, um, we do find ourselves in the, the already but not yet place. We are not stuck in the waiting place. We are not left aimless, and we are not um, left without the power of the Holy Spirit. God sent it that we have this purpose and this mission um, in the world, and he enables us to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the same way that it was, it was that power um, that enabled Jesus and his ministry on the earth. And as we, as we celebrate this Pentecost, as we celebrate the birth of the church, that, that day of the, the Holy Spirit coming, we're also connected to this, this deep-rooted um, work of God's redemption in the world that goes back um, to the wilderness and goes back um, even to, to point to the garden and, and the closeness that God wants to have with us. Reminded that, that God is closer than ever before. That he is not just among us. That he is not just around us. But through his Holy Spirit, he's actually living in us. Living in you and living in me. And the Holy Spirit is an essential part of our faith. It's the member of the Trinity that is now actively at work in the world today and in our lives. And so as the, the Spirit is is evident um, through you. Pursue the fruit of the Spirit. Pursue the Holy Spirit. And just commit yourself to an intentional relationship through, through Scripture and learning more about the Holy Spirit at, at work in the world today and opening our eyes to, to how God is at work around us. Um, pray for a move of the Holy Spirit in your heart and in our community.